Welcome to Not Another Mother Runner podcast. My name is Lisa, and this is not just a podcast about running. This is a podcast to empower women through fitness and health and everything in between. Because let's be honest, ladies, this journey could suck if we don't get our shit together. Welcome back, everyone. Today's guest is Dr. Allison Sinekowski. Uh, She is a board-certified physical therapist, a board-certified orthopedic clinical specialist, as well as a certified sports metrics instructor. Welcome, Allison. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Allison, you have like a lot of uh, credentials, very impressive but before we talk about that, why don't you discuss a little bit of your background story? Like, did you ever, did you always want to be a physical therapist? Was that like your lifelong dream? <laughs> so, yeah, so interesting enough, um, when I was in ninth grade, I think it was, I, I said that I wanted to be an athletic trainer and then go on and be a physical therapist. So it really was a dream from when I was, when I was younger. So, wow. Uh, so I went to, um, when I graduated, I went to Springfield College. I got my athletic training degree. And then immediately from there, uh, I went on and got my physical therapy degree. So at that time, PT was going through a, a little bit of a transition. And it was transitioning from master's to doctorate. And so I had a choice of which program to go to, which we don't anymore. It's all doctorate. Um, so I chose to add on a year and just go right for the doctorate right out of undergrad. Wow. Okay. So that's the first time I've ever heard a physical therapist say, I've always wanted to be a physical therapist. Yeah. Yeah. Was it because of the, because you were athletic and you saw things like, what was it? I mean, I don't even remember if I knew what a physical therapist was as a young child. So how did you know what that even was? Yeah, I think I was just into sports so much growing up, uh, watching them, playing them. And I, did hurt my knee in ninth grade, not a significant injury, but I was exposed to PT and I loved it. And in my head, I always wanted to work with athletes and I wanted to be a PT. So I went athletic training and then physical therapy. And that's kind of what brought me where I am. That's pretty awesome. Um, Okay. So let's talk about what is physical therapy. Like, what exactly is it? Because I think that sometimes people think, okay, well, it's, it's a lot of stretching. Oh, sure. So, um, yeah, I think PT can either have a really great name or it can have a really bad name, you know, depending on your experience. Uh, when I have people, I definitely say, you know, it's physical therapy. It's not passive therapy. It's physical therapy. Um, you know, it really was born, the profession itself was born, I believe it was in the, in the World War times um, as nurses. And when people were coming back um, and having um, amputations and injuries, there was a whole branch that were rehabbing them. And that's kind of the birth of, of physical therapy as a profession. So it's a relatively young profession and still growing and evolving all the time. So initially it was an extender from the rehab standpoint. Um, and then we've really grown to be more of an autonomous practice. And that's where the doctorate kind of has come in. Um, majority of states, you can go to PT now without a prescription. New York is one of them. And you can seek out physical therapists as your first line of defense. 
Um, and, you know, the research is, is coming along and, and is really um, actually powerful to say that if we get people moving faster after whatever, after an injury, after a surgery, um, after being down and out for whatever reason, that they get better faster. Uh, so as a profession, we're trying to kind of keep pushing that and, and utilize us earlier in the, in the game for whatever reason. So if we think about physical therapy and what exactly does that entail? Like a lot of people have said, like I said, the stretching or people have said massages or you're just doing a bunch of workouts or is it a combination of a lot of, a lot of things? Sure. Yeah, definitely a combination. Um, and it's really, really patient centered. So it's what does that person in front of you need? Um, I think one of the big things that people find when they, when they find a good PT is that I can't tell you how many people a week say nobody has ever listened to me like that. And nobody has ever evaluated me like that. So for example, you know, we do our sessions. So if you're, you're, you can get all of your fears and concerns and everything that is affecting you out. And then we can evaluate you to see where we have to help you change. Um, what movement patterns hurt you? What don't? And how can you change those? Um, some of it is just, I was laughing this week. Sometimes it's just permission for people to move. You're the first person that says, what do you mean you, you can't squat? You get in and out of a chair, let's, let's squat. You need to squat. Um, so sometimes it's just that reassurance side that people need. And then all the way up to they need to be able to sprint and run and do whatever it is they want to do. And I think in PT in general, we rarely limit people. We won't say you should never do that again. It's what do you want to do and how do we get you there? Okay. And what does that road look like to get you there? So yes, it could be a stretch. It could be um, passive therapies, sure. For me, that might be some hands-on joint mobilizations, soft tissues, massage. Um, but more often than not, it's, it's teaching that person how to move their body um, and you know, what, what to do, how to manage you know, what they're going through and really reduce the dependency on other people, which I laughed because that was something that connected me and you, um, was I don't want you to, to depend on me. I don't want you to depend on your physician or your chiropractor or a massage therapist. I want you to know what to do for yourself and use me as a coach or use whomever you work with as a coach to get you from point A to point B, but get yourself going and how do we do that? You mentioned a couple of things that, well, you mentioned one thing that really struck out is that you said that they look at you as a whole. And it is so true. Every time, regardless of who I go to or what facility, I mean, I, I'm a runner, so I've been to a lot of physical therapy. <laughs> um, so, but it doesn't matter where I've been and who have I seen. It is literally like, it, they really listen to every, I mean, it's intently like, you know, how this happened, what are the issues? And, and it's like a real whole body assessment 
and finding out the movement and where your pain is. But I, I do have to agree with you on that. It's a different type of seeing a, a type of specialist um, that, you know, when, when you go in there, they do take in consideration your, your body as a whole. But what are some of the things that we could just get a little bit more specific? What are some of the techniques I know you said that there's the stretches and then you might have to get hands on because I mean, I've, I've, I've had so many different things. Like for some of the things I was just like, what are they making me do? Like, I mean, like, but I did it. Did it work? Yes. Do I know what the heck just happened? No. Um, but I mean, what are some of the techniques that you have done? Yeah, I mean, I would say technique-wise, um, if we just go from an exercise, let's say from an exercise standpoint, to keep it simple, it's positive experience with movement. So the more movement we can provide somebody. So if you can't squat, can you put your heels up and squat? Can you turn your toes out and squat? Can you hold on to a TRX and squat? Can you... If that's easy, can you put one leg back and squat? So the techniques really branch upon what, where are you? What's your current floor? And where do you want to be? And where's your ceiling? And just modifications for exercises. I think uh, education for exercises. You know, if you're a runner or if you like to do workout classes, if you're in a workout class and, and you've never been educated to squat and it hurts, Suddenly you get empowered from the education of how to squat, what should you feel? And then when you're working out, you can self-modify. You don't have to ask somebody what to do. So I think that's a big thing from the exercise standpoint is um, not fearing anything, just changing it and just giving you so many options. Um, I won't say giving them to you. I'll say working through so many options to find what's best for your body. So that's from the exercise side. To me, that's one of the biggest sides as well as um, the empowerment and communication and just helping people understand that they can move or what they can do. Uh, the other side, I mean, from the manual standpoint, there's so many things that we, we can do with our hands. Um, again, any soft tissue work, you know, I've had some training and experience with doing cupping or doing instrument assisted. The, the, the brand name is Graston. Um, you know, I have experience with that stuff and I will pick and choose using that. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, rarely will I say that's my first go-to. Mm -hmm. I want you to move you first and mm -hmm. then we can do other little things. Um, which is opposite. I think, you know, a lot of times the patients are like, you know, Oh, your hands are what really made me feel better. And I'm like, but that first 50 minutes where you moved so beautifully and got so much stronger and learned what to do, like that's the bread and butter. Yes. Not, not my hands are enhancing you, but, um, to the point, sometimes I don't even use them because I don't want patients to be reliant on me. Right. Um, you know, and, and eventually I do, or, you know, I certainly do use them, but I, I want them to feel for themselves that they can change yeah. and, and understand how to do that. What about those that come to you with pain? So like, for instance, I, I was in a car accident and they sent me to physical therapy to get like, they did these like uh, deep 
uh, heating or like a wavelength type thing going on in that muscle to loosen it up. I mean, I, I think like, what are those, what are the techniques that are done for pain management? Sure. You know, I think in your, if you look at, um, what historically has been done to where we are now, there's a huge gap right now in our profession. And, um, I know you're going to keep pushing me on this, on this <laughs> what these techniques are. Allison. And you're, you're going um, to get my answer of, you know, with, yes, people use ultrasound and stim, you know, are some of the therapeutic modalities. Um, personally, for me, I don't. And a lot of that turns back to it's passive. You know, the research behind it is that it um, maybe feels good. And the research behind it is it does no harm. Mm-hmm. but it doesn't necessarily change it. Um, you know, we know now, and again, this is a big gap that still exists in our medical world, um, not just in physical therapy, but there's a big gap between, you know, I guess the, the textbook number is it takes 17 years for uh, proven research to get into practice. So when you're looking at that, you know, the best practice right now with regards to pain is to help people understand what a pain experience includes. So um, this could be like three one-hour episodes in itself, <laughs> but, um, you know, where, where pain is a very, very real thing. Um, it's a very subjective thing. It impacts individuals differently, you know, everybody differently. Nobody has the same experience with pain. Um, And it's protective. So it's a natural, it it is something that um, we all have to have or else we're putting ourselves in danger. What, when we get more into the chronic pain side of something's been there for more than three months, you know, there's true changes that happen in our brain and our brain's perception of even a light touch. Mm-hmm. So it hurt your shoulder and um, it's three months out, but it still hurts. And somebody comes by and whacks you on the shoulder to say, hi, you know, you're like, ah, oh, don't touch my shoulder. And even though that touch wasn't harmful or hurting anything, there's still a pretty significant response to it. Um, so that's a, like one example of how our brains can start to change how we move and how much we might fear movement or touch or, or something. So um, I know that's a long-winded answer. No, that, that, well, this makes sense to me because when I was reading your bio, they said, it said that you have a very uh, different approach when mm. it comes to physical therapy. And I, my thought in my head was, what, what approach is that? How are you uh, different from the other therapists? Because the one, the things that I'm mentioning to you are the things that you see that you go to, you know, they're doing the deep muscle tissue massages and things like that, where I'm curious. So if I was to come see you and I know it could be for anything, would you say that you your approach well why don't you tell us what your approach is i mean you kind of gave a lot of it just now but sure. what is the the main way that you you treat an individual that comes to see you with an injury yeah so let, let's say um i'll, I'll kind of try to go through maybe like a case example for that so let's say i have a, a 
let's say a 30 year old woman who sprained her ankle when running and running is her out, right? Running is what keeps her sane. She gets out of her house. She gets away from her kids. Like this is her thing. And she sprained her ankle. She went to urgent care. There was no fractures. Okay. She went to an orthopedic and they said, oh, just rest. You'll be fine in four weeks. It's just a sprain. Well, four weeks comes and goes and she still hurts and the pain is still there. And now she's starting to get down on herself a little bit because she's like, well, I heard the pain's supposed to be, I'm supposed to be fine in four weeks. And we do this all the time in the medical field and to each other, quite frankly. Oh, it's just a sprain. You'll be fine in four weeks. So automatically, when somebody hits four weeks out, they think they should be fine. And if they're not, they start to degrade, they start to put themselves down. Well, what's wrong with me? Why won't I heal? Um, And then we start to hear the negative from other people. Well, I had an ankle sprain and I still feel ankle pain and I had this and I still have this going on. So let's say that person walks in my office and it's six weeks out of their injury. Day one for me is really hearing the full story. So, you know, what happened? How'd you do it? What does that mean you can't do? You know, and, and that question alone can go from simply, I can't run and that's my out to, well, I can't run. And that's what really bothers me. But I, now I can't squat and I can't pick up my kid or now, you know, my, I want to go for a hike with my friends and I can't do that. And now this and that, and you might, you might have heard the first thing, which was, I can't run, but suddenly you see how much this impacted somebody's life. Mm -hmm. So when they, you know, I think that's a big part of not only the first session, but the whole time is hearing what is um, important to this person and how, whatever it is, their ankle, whatever is infecting their life. Because if they think that they can't do all of this stuff, then the motivation goes down to move or to exercise. So, you know, right away from a PT perspective, if you hear that, you're, 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 you're putting that in your mind um, because we know now that coaching somebody through their fears and helping them see that hurt doesn't mean harm. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's so day one is a lot of talk, a lot of education on, um, well, what are you fearful of? I'm afraid I'm going to hurt it more. Okay. And then what? Well, then I'm going to need surgery. Okay. Well, it's okay for that to hurt a little bit. It's when you do that, it's, it's okay. That's good. That's pulling at things. That's helping it heal. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so helping people see that hurt doesn't mean harm. What are your fears? How are we going to get you from here to here? You know, how are we going to build that you back up that mountain? Um, Help them understand how are you going to manage if you come up and then go down and then come up and then go down with your progress because that's normal. And a lot of times I think that's the first time people are hearing that. Mm -hmm. They just think we get hurt, we heal. We get hurt, we heal. Um, And that's really not, it, it is true tissues heal. That's pathology. We thank goodness. If you had a cut that doesn't heal, that's not Mm -hmm. good. We heal. Um, but we also build fears of, of moving and and stop when we don't need to. Mm -hmm. Um, so day one's a lot of that, of sorting that stuff out. And then again, just from the evaluation side of, you know, taking people through a different menu of movements of, 
okay, that hurts. Well, let's find something else and let's find something else. Um, and just getting them encouraged again, that they can move and showing them how much they truly can do versus what they can't do. That's different. So do you think that when you do that, do they, when they then feel confident, do they then are able to move like they did before? How does that, what, what does that healing process look like? Because you're, you're, first of all, you're validating them, you know, uh, and, and listening to them. And then you're giving them different uh, alternative ways to move their bodies to, uh, to assist them. Do you see then, does that then transfer into an actual, they then can use that part of the body because of that mental space and having the confidence to, oh, I'm going to move it this way. Oh, I'm going to move it like that. Do you see that happening? Sure. Yeah. I think if you map out what rehab looks like to somebody um, versus just like, okay, like I want to see you twice a week for four weeks and we're going to help you Mm -hmm. versus, okay, here's what you need to do. Here's what I'll help you do. Yes. You know, timeline, I don't know, you know, timeline is different for everybody. Yeah. And as the sessions go on, we'll gain more clarity and we'll see where that goes. But here's what I do know. Rehab goes up in kind of a, um, if you think about a graph and a straight line up, rehab goes up your timeline and your function will improve Mm -hmm. and there'll be little dips but your floor usually will get higher Yeah, and you'll have little dips, but we know in that process, pain stays the same for maybe up to eight weeks. Wow. And until eight weeks, then it starts going down. So if we can focus on the positives of what can you do now versus what can't you do? um, It really changes how people think in, and, you know, I think in, again, in the medical world or even, even fitness world, we, we tend to sideline people more than we need to. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, plays a big role with their overall outcome. Um, and, you know, people are like, oh, I have an ankle pain. I'm, I'm always going to have an ankle issue. Hmm. We want that pain to be background noise. Um, you know, I don't think it's realistic for everybody to say we're going to be pain free. It's mm-hmm. just not how we're built. Thank goodness we have pain or else we would die quicker. From- right. <laughs> right? right. I mean, right. to put it bluntly, right. it's so protective. Right. Um, so if we sit here and say, oh, you're going to feel fine and be pain-free in four weeks, that's not fair to people. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we map it out and we say, hey, you might feel, you know, after your first time running, you might be sore. So then when somebody goes running for the first time and they're sore, they're not like, oh crap, what did I do? I heard it. I did this. I did this. I did that. And, you know, they catastrophize something that's normal. But if you've already kind of given them that background of, oh, this might hurt a little bit, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean you harmed anything. And we give a traffic light analogy, like two, three, four out of 10 is a, is a green light. So during that night, next day, two, three, four out of 10 is generally okay. Five is like, eh, you know, a little yellow light. And then six and above is too much. So if people kind of follow that and understand that um, it's okay to have pain. <laughs> and it, But as long as your function is going up, you're going to be better. Yeah, that, that is very, that's different. That's definitely different from what I've seen. 
So let's switch gears. So you work a lot with athletes and it, it just, I was reading your bio. Um, is there a specific type of athlete that you tend to see that comes to see you? Um, personally, you know, I guess more so I, I've treated runners in, in our area for four years since I've been practicing out here for over 10 years. And I think the, on the other side, Side of that is um, ACL kind of prehab prevention as well as the rehab is, uh, is a passion of mine that I'll certainly see. Um, I, I think just again, just just building that gap and you know rehabbing somebody well and in an issue like ACL reconstructions is, is a prominent thing and, and especially our young girls um, that in re tears once they've gotten hurt um, is a, is a pretty big big deal. So, um, I like to be involved with that process mm-hmm. and, um, just everything soup to nuts, you know, from day one yeah. post operatively till they're getting back on the field, um, or court or, or whatever. I, I love to see that progress through and, and watch them not only change physically, but again, with their confidence mm-hmm. and, um, you know, being able to get back to what they want to do. So just briefly explain what ACL is for those who don't know what that is. Sure. So um, your ACL is your anterior cruciate ligament, and it, it's inside of your knee. So it's one of the ligaments that connects your femur to your tibia. Um, if you listen to any of the sports world, it's definitely a very prominent injury. Um, the you know in contact sports, it often happens from people hitting into each other's legs and um, kind of causing a, a certain force at the knee. Um, in our female athletes, 66 or so or more percentage of them are non-contact injuries, mm-hmm. which means um, the girls just try to, or guys, but mostly girls try to change direction or um, jump down after heading a ball or, or shooting layup or anything where they're in the air and then land. And based on um, some variance factors with females that our knees tend to cave in a little bit more and what's called that valgus force, which is when your knee is on the inside of your hip mm-hmm. um, and ankle. So it kind of looks like an L that you tear that ligament. Um, it, it's, it's usually uh, at least nine months to a year out of their sport. Wow. Um, and quite frankly, the, as much as we know about it, those numbers and high percentages, you know, of, of people injuring that and having a hard time coming back, haven't really dropped much, um, for years. And we know more about it now than we ever have. Um, but I don't, you know, there's still so many factors to it. Mm -hmm. I think we have is a big one. Um, and certainly there's plenty of research now to say confidence is a big one. Um, so somebody could get close to their time to return to sport and they're passing all your tests with flying colors. They can hop on one leg, they can squat on one leg, they can run, they can sprint, they can change direction. And then you give them a simple questionnaire about their confidence. And if that's low, their chances of re-injuring are much higher. Wow. So again, you know, back to that thought process of what, how are we building people up or making them fearful of what they're doing? You know, if we sit there and tell somebody, oh, you got to be careful when you cut, you know, that's not as powerful to somebody as, ah, look at that power when you cut, you know, so your words that we choose when we rehab people might be a factor in that too. 
That is very interesting. True and very interesting. Uh, what? So basically, those are the types of injuries that you would normally see that come to see you. What type of injuries do you see as we get older? Hmm. Um, so as we get older, gosh, anything. I mean, you know, a, a big one is low back pain. Um, now that's not totally true because low back pain actually peaks between 40 and 60 mm-hmm. and then it goes down. So it's, it's a curve. Um, I guess I'm just kind of talking about where I'm getting to an age. <laughs> <laughs> getting older. Um, but yeah, we tend to, you know, low back pain, neck pain are very common for people to complain about. Um, knee pain, hip pain. I mean, if you think about the, what, what people are getting replaced or getting surgeries on, you know, you're looking at hip, knee, shoulder, yeah. um, back and neck are your big ones. So I said that you are a sports metrics instructor. What yeah. is that? Yeah. So that was a certification I got about 10 years ago. Um, but it's a certification essentially that takes you through understanding um, the rehab process and the preventative process for ACL injuries. So um, just a lot of research through Cincinnati that talks about um, how to jump train somebody. So if somebody's jumping and how they land their mechanics when they land their mechanics when they take off um, you know, factors that you can impact and change via training mm-hmm. to reduce risk of ACLs, re- um, retears or tearing in general. Uh, so that's very specific to the ACL population. Okay. What type of sports do you, I mean, okay. So I spoke to somebody else and they said like the number one uh, athlete that comes into their office are the CrossFitters. Hmm. Yeah. So interesting. My, my, um, who I work with, Patrick, he, he is the kind of the CrossFit guru. In, in the, <laughs> so, um, I don't do CrossFit. He does. And, you know, I'm kind of game for anything and anybody to do whatever they want to do. I just think whatever your, your exercise of choice, you need to earn the right to kind of move up in the exercise. So if you're somebody new and going into CrossFit, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think if you're new and going to CrossFit and you haven't done snatches, like an overhead lift ever, and you have no idea what you're doing, that you should have, there's a gap that you need to get some training in there and then build up the load. So build up how heavy you're doing, build up how many you're doing, um, I don't think this is unique to CrossFit, but I think some people just go from A to Z mm-hmm. and miss the whole intermediate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I think that's what causes injuries more than the exercise itself. Um, so it's funny. The person who said this to me is a physical therapist. She, <laughs> she's a big CrossFitter. She, yeah. it, she talks about the injuries, but she herself is a big CrossFitter. And she said, I'm not stopping. And she said exactly what you said where it was just basically the form is of most importance and the baby steps to get to that. And she said the same thing that, the, you know, people rush into it just like they rush into running. And that is, you know, the, the first thing I get from my couch to 5k runners is I want to get fast. And I'm like, let's see first how long you can run Let's try a mile first before you decide to say, I want to run fast. 
I mean, that they just want to skip through the entire process of training. And of course, that's, I mean, I've experienced that when I want to get faster than I should have and I, I got hurt. Um, so it is, uh, it is funny that she said that she, the same thing. Um, what is the biggest misunderstanding from clients when they come to see you or when they come to get physical therapy? You know, what, are the, what is the mindset that they have when they come to see you that you think, oh boy. Um, so I see that, I see that two ways. I, I see that as one, um, you know, I think a lot of people don't realize, again, I, I kind of say it's physical therapy. <laughs> You're going to have to work. So I had a gentleman come in yesterday for, um, bilateral carpal tunnel. And he, uh, we, we were on the ground doing something, lifting overhead at some point in the session. And he's like, Oh, I would have worn my gym shorts. I thought you were going to just be like massaging my neck and, you know, doing this and that. And I'm like, you know, better. Like I've seen it before. I'm like, you know, better than to think I'm going to like, yeah, sure. If I need to, but how do you feel now? He's like the best I've felt in two months. I'm like, so I didn't touch you. Um, so I think in, in some of that, I, I, Due to our previous conversation, I do think is is um, just the the differences. You know, I, I think a lot of people expect passive things, um, and or a lot of people have had PT and had what I would consider passive treatment, and so that's what they're expecting when they come in. Um, some people that passive treatment has helped them, and so they want it again. Um, and in that case, you know, it's tough because sometimes I'll say like, okay, well, maybe we do that because it helps you get that feeling that you're feeling better, but it came back Mm -hmm. and you're seeking care again for it. So if you're seeking care again for the same thing, did it work or what were your own strategies to try before you reached out to somebody? So if you had, you know, you remembered your exercises from that were given for your first week or we had talked about if this surfaces again, do X, Y, and Z, and then it didn't work. Okay, come back in. Maybe we need to change things up. Um, maybe you've accommodated to what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of times if something's creeping back and you have had, had passive care, um, we'll, we'll talk about that. And, and usually if we just get somebody moving and feeling a little bit better, then, um, then they're on board. Uh, sometimes, you know, some people that's what they want. Um, and you know, we just, we talk through it and again, we kind of pick, I pick and choose who I will do what with, um, more so based on, you know, their personal beliefs and what I, how I think I can get them to eventually get moving. Mm -hmm. Uh, and there might be some time in there where it is a little bit more passive to help them feel reassured that they can move. Right. Right. So that, that's one, I think. Um, and then the other is, you know, something that we, we that, that's really being presented in the research is just what we call nocebos. So nocebos are essentially um, nuggets of information that actually are harmful to people. So an example would be that arthritis of the knee is a wear and tear condition. Well, our population is also the most sedentary it's ever been. So if we're not moving, why is it a wear and tear condition? <laughs> so now they're afraid to move because they don't want to wear it more, where the lack of movement in the first place is what caused them to get to this painful scenario. 
Not that arthritis is painful because it doesn't have to be. And we know in many people it's not. So why is it for you? And, and can we change how you move and change your perception now of that? Um, and I think those nocebos you can hear from anybody, healthcare professionals, uh, family members, um, you know, if you're, you know, some people come in and they're like, well, it's genetic. And I'm like, well, usually, yes, you have the same genes, but typically you also have the same patterns, <laughs> the same eating habits, the same physical activity levels. So while we can't change the genes, that's only one of all of these factors. Mm-hmm. And if we change these other ones, you, you probably will be okay. Um, so I think that's a big part too, is just what people have heard and trying to break them out of what they're already perceiving as negative. Right. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Um, so what is one type of movement? And I know this is like a, a huge question, but if you could pick, what's one type of movement, stretch, or even advice that would assist an athlete in preventing injuries? So I guess advice would be, you know, just learn so many different movements. Um, the easiest is there's to point to some direction. Is there something called the primal movements? So if you're working out, things like push, pull, lunge, squat, carry. So different types of carry exercises, incorporating all of those, what we call primal movements into a workout plan, you know, is the, for for my opinion, the best way to kind of stay healthy. I, I, um, you know, my runners, I always equate, I always say, you know, running is great, but it's one of seven primal movements. So if you think of those primal movements like nutrition, you're not going to just eat protein or just eat carbs or you've got to have, or my runners, I guess I say, you know, if you only ate leafy greens every day, they're super, super healthy for you, but there's so many other nutrients you're missing. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what I say to people. If you only do this one thing all the time, you're missing out. And those other movements um, are really what keep us healthy and keep us being able to do the activities that we love. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's funny you say that because I just had a, um, a woman who is, uh, she's a running coach and she's also, an, and she's a runner and she's also a power lifter. And she talked about the importance of strength training as a runner because mm-hmm. I, I strength train as a runner and that's not something that other runners do. They don't, yeah. they just run. Um, and she talked about the benefit of it. And she, and she actually said, when I asked her the one question that I just asked you, and she said the lunge, a, a weighted lunge, because it literally impacts so many parts of your body that requires you to run, to strengthen that run. So it, it obviously, that you know, it, it does impact you when you do do, as a runner, other movements. Because that's why us runners have these tight hips <laughs> and tight areas because we're not using them. Um, so, yeah, that absolutely makes sense. So the other part is, you know, everyone thinks I'm going to go see a physical therapist. Oh, you hurt yourself. Oh, uh, something happened. You got in a car accident. What about the preventative 
Mm-hmm. I mean, what are the preventative measures? What's involved in the seeing you and it's more of a, a preventative measure? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, you can always go to a PT from a preventative side and, and, um, certainly having been around long enough and in knowing a lot of my clients, like I do, some people will just be like, I just feel off. You know, I just don't feel like I'm in line or, um, or, Hey, I'm going to start working out. And I just want to make sure I have my basics down. I, I think that's a big one. Um, and I know a lot of your listeners, you know, if you're looking at, you know, women, especially when we have kids and then we go back to working out, there's a whole gap of time that you, you've changed your pelvic structure. You, you damage muscles down there. You damage muscles in your belly. You stretch things. And there, to think that we can go back to our previous self immediately after that time frame just isn't fair. Mm-hmm. And again, I think that's like a lot of times physicians or other practitioners or whomever or friends and family are like, oh, I was better at six weeks and I could go do whatever I wanted to do. Or, you know, don't do stuff for six weeks and then go ahead and start working out. And that there's not a lot of guidance there for people. So if they don't start at with the basics and get their movements down, um, and again, similar to um, CrossFit, if you don't start accommodating yourself to the loads that you're going to ask yourself to do, you're setting yourself up at that point to maybe, maybe hurt something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, that's that's not to say be cautious or be careful. It's be smart. Yeah. So, you know, if you want to run, let, let's walk first and see how we do. And let's do this and let's add on and then run a little bit and then, you know, progress yourself. Um, but a lot of most people don't have that knowledge mm-hmm. um, and kind of beat themselves up if they can't perform like they want to and then get demotivated and then don't want to do it at all. Yeah. And social media doesn't help. Like mm-hmm. when you see the woman who just <laughs> had... I don't know, triplets, and now she's running a marathon, (laughs) you know, it doesn't, it doesn't help, you know, and you think, okay, that could be me. Okay, maybe, (laughs) but it's not the norm. Um, But yeah, my specialty is definitely with those women who haven't ran in a while and to get them to, you know, like you said, the, the baby steps. I really appreciate uh, you sharing your knowledge. This is obviously very different conversation in regards to physical therapy. And it makes sense of why, you know, when I I read your bio and how you take a very eclectic approach to Mm -hmm. physical therapy. And I like the fact that you bring in the mind that, I mean, that mind and body connection is huge. And it's obviously that is something that you um, pay attention to when you have your clients come in. So I just want to thank you again. I really appreciate you being here. Where, Where can people find you? Yeah. So I am in, I have two offices in the Latham and in the Saratoga area. Uh, I work with Pat Suarez. So we're at Suarez Physical Therapy and that's our website is www.suarezphysicaltherapy.com. And uh, that's our website. You can kind of read about us and what we do. Um, I treat, you know, throughout the week and I, it's just a unique practice. You know, we're all one-on-one, one-hour sessions, which um, is very awesome. And after 10 years, 11 years, actually, I made the jump into that land, which really has been uh, fantastic. (laughs) Just the the ability to work through all those things in that model has been um, amazing. 
so yeah, so that's where we are in Latham and Saratoga and you can visit our website. I'll put the uh, links to the website on the episode notes. So if people, the locals can um, reach out and come see you, they know where you're at. Uh, thanks. Thanks again, Allison. I, I really appreciate you coming in here again, sharing golden nuggets to our listeners. Sure. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks again, everybody. Until next time. Bye.